And so, you don't need to have faith to look at a parting ocean, right? You know, it, you see it with your eyes and you're like, oh, I believe. And we see the, and, and so the Israelites, as they were crossing the Red Sea, they didn't really have to have a lot of faith. And we see the lack of faith that that they had, as soon as they see this ocean part and they cross over to the other side, a few days later, they're already grumbling. Like a few months later, they're like, oh, where's the meat? A few, like, oh, where, where's the water? You know, like, oh, no, at least back in, at least back in Egypt, we had meat, right? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back and be slaves so that we can eat meat. Like, when they're, when they, at the edge of the, the promised land and, and the spies are sent out and they look at the, 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 the land flowing with milk and honey and they see all these great things. They see these, these tall, like giant looking people and all of a sudden their hearts melt and they say that they're, they, we seem like grasshoppers to them. And they're like, oh, we can never defeat them. Let's, uh, let's like, uh, murder Moses and let's murder Joshua. Let's stone them and let's go back to Egypt. Right? That's literally what they were saying and, and thinking. And we see this lack of faith that the people of Israel had as they crossed over the Red Sea. But it's a whole nother thing for the people of Israel to cross over the Jordan. And what the people of Israel needed to have as they crossed over the Jordan River was faith. The people needed to have faith. It wasn't just Moses anymore. But it was the people of Israel that needed to have faith. They needed to believe in their God. And not only that, but they needed to follow the instructions that God laid out for them. And when we read about the story of the people of Israel as they leave Egypt and ultimately enter into the promised land, we see how the Israelites and the lives of the Israelites and what happens to the Israelites so closely reflect the lives that we live as Christians and believers. Now, crossing the Red Sea is like when we're first saved. Right? And when you cross the Red Sea, they didn't need to have a lot of faith to cross the Red Sea. And when we first believe, you know, we don't really have to have a lot of faith. We just have to believe in Jesus. We just say, I believe in Jesus. You know, the Bible says that you need the faith the size of a mustard seed, right? Mustard seed is like, it's like, like one of the things that Ezra gives me. Remember when I talked about it? He's like, oh, and then I'm like, this is nothing, right? And a mustard seed is tiny. It's like, all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed. So it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of faith to see the ocean part. It doesn't take a lot of faith to cross over an ocean where, where Moses parts it and then we're all going across. But the life that God wants for his people is not one of just believing. But it's one of faith and transformation and sanctification. It's one of a life of renewal by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he lived and died on the, on the cross so that we can have life. But the Bible says that he wants us to have an abundant life. A life that's full. And that faith, the size of the mustard seed, isn't supposed to remain the size of a mustard seed. But it's supposed to grow into the biggest of the seed-bearing plants. And we see the difference in the way that the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea and the way that God wants the people to cross over the Jordan River. So let's look at what's required of the people as they cross over the Jordan River. And you have to, One thing that we have to realize is that this was a season where the Jordan overflowed its banks. Meaning it was a part of the year where the water were not only very high and wide, but the currents were, were pretty rough. So they say, some people say that it was like about a mile across and the, the currents that would fall would be come at sometimes at 40 miles an hour. So it's, it's not like, it's not like this easy crossing that they can do. 
It's not like with all of the people that they have, they have all these, these babies, they have like women, they have old people, they have all of their stuff, and they have all of their livestock, and they have all of their clothes, and all these things. It's not easy to cross a river that's overflowing. So it wasn't an easy undertaking for them, especially the fact that you know they've multiplied as they've been traveling the wilderness. They've actually been getting bigger, and 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 this is like it's not just like you know like 50 people. They say that it's close to maybe like a million people, or like 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 just a lot of people need to cross this river. And as they're sitting at the edge of the river, it's not something that they can easily do. But that's what faith is. Faith is looking at something, some situation, and knowing that it's impossible for us. But with God, all things are possible. So many of us, we face our personal Jordan's rivers every day, right? Things that feel so insurmountable. I have these. I'm a pastor, and I'm telling you, if, if you, I, I went through going counseling recently, and as I've been going through counseling, you know, there's this woman that's supposed to listen to what I say and not judge me, right? And I, I pay her for it, so she can't judge me, right? So I'm going through counseling uh, with a lady in Torch um, Seminary back in Seoul. We do it through Skype. And, and I'm telling her these things, and some of the things that I tell her are the Jordan Rivers in my life, things that I feel like I can never get past, these obstacles and these, these barriers that I feel that will never, like, 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 because I'm always looking at it from my perspective, from my understanding. We talked about it last week. Fear is an opportunity for faith. But many times we have certain obstacles or some situations that we feel is so hopeless that we don't even try. And we, we, we already just leave defeated. And we let the fear overtake us and we forfeit things that God has for us. And our lives feel stalled. We feel stuck. We feel stuck on the wrong side of God's promises. We know that God has an abundant life for us, but we can't make it out of the wilderness. We know that God has this, this thing for us, but we just, we just see, we can't get out of this wilderness that we're wandering in. You know, we could feel this way personally. We could feel this way as a church. Churches feel this way. Churches become like this. They know God's promises, but they're blocked by all these Things and barriers that seem to get in our ways. And so many times we forfeit the promises of God. Forfeiting something is the worst. Right? It's the worst thing. Who played sports when you were young in high school? Or you guys know that forfeiting is one of the worst things that you can do in sport. I wrestled in high school. And in wrestling, it's all about making weight. Right? I don't know if you guys know about wrestling, but... Like, when I started wrestling, I started, I was kind of chubby. I was like 157. I was a little bit shorter. I weighed 157, 157 pounds. But then when I started to train and when I started to do wrestling, I went all the way down to like maybe 145. I think a few times I wrestled 140. So I lost like close to like 20 pounds so that I can like wrestle. And when you wrestle, everything is about making weight. If you're going to wrestle in the category of 145 on the day of the wrestling match, you have to lose your weight so that you weigh no more than 145. And so her coach would pull us out of our classes. We'd be in history class. And our history teacher was a baseball coach. So he was fine. He's like, oh, you could take them. So we would go. He would pull us out of our classes. And we would put us in these trash bags. We would put trash bags. We'd put holes in our trash bags for our head and our arms. And we would put like a, like a, a, a 
hoodie over that, and we would have these like wrestling jumpsuits that we put on top of that, and we would run around the track, like in the sun, in California sun, so that we could lose the weight, right? We can shrink down our weight, and so that when the wrestling day came, we would weigh 145, right? Or like, you know, there's a category like 115, 120, 125, and all these people represent each weight class. Well, I would represent 145, and there'd be times where I would even I wouldn't drink anything, and I would constantly spit, right? We would constantly spit so that maybe just spitting a little bit of liquid might actually lower our weight. And so we would go, and on the day of the wrestling match would come, we wouldn't eat anything, we wouldn't drink anything, we would weigh in, and if you make your weight, you can wrestle. And when you're wrestling, the worst thing that you can do is not make your weight. Because even if you get pinned, right, at least you're trying. Right? If you get pinned, that's, the, that's one of the worst. You get, the other team gets six points. But even if you get pinned, at least you're giving it a try. But the worst thing that you can do is to leave a weight class empty is because it was forfeit. That means we're not even trying for that category. And, and a lot of times when we live our lives, so we forfeit sometimes the things that God has for us, the plans and the abundant life that God has for us. We forfeit it because we fail to see and we fail to to do and, and have the faith that God wants us to have. But as believers, many times we forfeit the promises of God. We forfeit the plans because the obstacles seem too big. The river seems too wide. The current seems too strong, right? We have too many old people. We have, we have too many, like, we have too many cows and sheep that needs to cross. And so we, we give up on, on, on reaching the promised land and we forfeit. We don't even try. Imagine if you won the Powerball jackpot, like $30 million, and you forfeit that winning because you don't even check your ticket. But here in Joshua, God has a plan for his people. And the funny thing is for 40 years, he's been holding their hands and wandering the wilderness. For 40 years, they've been, he's been taking them around, giving everything that they need, and, and this 40 years wasn't just to let the old generation die out, but it was also, it was also for God to show them that they needed to depend on Him for everything. Right? They needed to depend on Him for everything. They needed to depend on Him for food. They needed to depend on Him for water. They needed to depend on Him for the clothes that they wear and the shoes that they had. It didn't wear out because God made it them not to wear it. Imagine people wearing the same shoes for 40 years or like 30 years, right? This, you know? But it did, the Bible says it didn't wear out because of what? Because of God. Right? When they needed meat, quails would come. When they, you know, when they needed water, water would flow. And so for 40 years, they continued to follow the presence of God. The cloud would go up. Right? The, the, the cloud would go up and they would follow the cloud and then they would come down and rest and they would remain. And if the cloud didn't go up, they would remain in that place. And for 40 years, they wandered the wilderness and God was teaching them. God was leading them by their hands and saying, hey, this is the way that you're going to continue to go forth. You're going to continue to go forth with your eyes set on me and with your heart and your mind knowing that you depend on me for everything. God had a plan. Because 40 years ago, there was a generation that actually forfeited their promise. There was a generation of people that forfeited. They won the Powerball jackpot. They won $30 million, but they just gave it up. Because of their lack of faith. They've been leading, God's been leading them in, in His presence. 
And so let's read Joshua 1. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 200 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. My first point today, what the thing, what the the people of Israelites needed to understand, what the people of Israelites needed to to have in their hearts as they cross over the Jordan River, they had to let God go first. They were to leave a distance of 200 cubits, which roughly converts to about half a mile. Half a mile. You really can't know what's what's up in the distance. So that God goes first, and they will know the way they should go. We have to know that in whatever endeavor that we pursue, whatever we attempt to accomplish in our lives for God, we have to know that God goes before us. That He goes first. Deuteronomy 31.8 In the Lord who goes before you, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God wanted the people to literally see with their eyes the presence of God going before them. They weren't allowed to see or even set foot on the, the bank of the Jordan River until God had gone first before them. We have to hold on to this promise. This is a promise that God makes for us. Right? That, that, that He goes before us. This has to be the reality for our lives. That He goes before us. And it's all over the Bible. We read it earlier, Deuteronomy 31, 8. And, it is, and it's the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf. Deuteronomy 1, 30. You go before me and follow me. Your place, your hand, and your the hand of your blessing on my head. Psalm 139, 5. You shall, go, you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. Isaiah 45.2 Through him who led the pe- his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting. This has to become the truth that we live our lives by. That he goes before us. We have a God right, that goes before us. When I was in high school, I remember we used to go to this thing called Knox Scary Farm in, in Halloween. I don't know if you guys have these in your hometown, but it's like an amusement park would be transformed into this place. It's all scary during Halloween season. And then um, we would all go with dates in high school, right? We would like ask a girl, will you go to Not Scary Farm with me? And we would go as a big group. We would all take a girl and we would go on this date. And I remember one of the funniest things that happened was there was this house and it was a house full of clowns. And I'm terrified of clowns, right? Most people are hate clowns. We're all going through it, and it's a group, big group of people, of guys and girls, going through this clown. And it was scary. Like, these clowns would come out like, ugh, and we were like, ah. But then at one point, it was this empty room, and we're all just walking, and I kid you not, this clown in a bungee cord fell from the sky and landed literally right in front of us. And my friend Jay, this is exactly what he did. He grabbed his girl, 
threw her at the clown, turned around and ran away. Right? And we all saw this happen, and we all started laughing so hard, right? But she like ran into the clown, and she's all crying, and like you know, screaming and terrified, right? But a lot of times, when things happen to us, right? When when bad things happen, when we have to go through certain obstacles, when we have to go through some times where it seems a little scary, we feel like we're being thrust and pushed into these things. We feel like, you know, we're being pushed into these obstacles. We're pushed into these trials. And God is saying, deal with it. Right? But we have to know that our God is not like my friend Jay. He goes before us. Not only does He go with us, He goes before us. And, and, and the Bible says that He's also our rear guard. He's actually also behind us. That's faith. Knowing that in whatever we do, when we put our faith in Him, He goes before us and He conquers and he, he His power goes out before we even have an opportunity to set our foot into the Jordan River. That His strength, His goodness, His righteousness goes before us. God's not standing behind us telling us what to do. Come on! Cross that river already. Why don't you guys cross that river? Don't you all know how to swim? Can't you guys make some boats and cross this river? Like, you know, cross the river already. God's not telling us. That's not the type of God that we serve. But a lot of times we feel that way in our heart. You know, a lot of times we feel like God is like, ah, oh, you should have learned this lesson. You should have, you should be able to do this. No. It may feel that way sometimes, but it means that we have the wrong understanding of God and His heart for us. Not only is He for us, He's in front of us. He's going before us. He's with us. And He's actually behind us. He's our rear guard. Now this doesn't mean that He's going to go before us you know, in everything that we do. If you're going to go and try to cheat on your taxes, God's not going to go before you, right? If you're going to go to the club and go and hook up with some random dude, God's not going to go before you, right? God's not going to go and, and conquer the dance floor for you, right? But here's the thing. God goes before us when we do this. It says, Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. They are to consecrate themselves. When we consecrate ourselves, we create an atmosphere for God to go before us. You gotta keep this in mind. Consecrating yourself for to, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. God will do wonders among you. It sets the atmosphere of faith for God to move and do wonders and miracles among us. Consecration doesn't save us. Right? A lot of times we feel like, oh, I'm consecrating myself. I feel so holy. Right? Consecration doesn't make God accept us, but consecration it does set the atmosphere. It opens the door for God to do what He wants to do in our midst. And we have a supernatural God, right? And so when we consecrate ourselves, we're opening the doors for God to be His supernaturalness amongst us. And this morning, we were talking to uh, our friend Rodney. You guys know Rodney from uh, IHOP. Right? He's down in Tampa. And I, this morning, I woke up early, and I kind of played with Ethan a little, and I got super tired, so I, I, went, I, went, I, went, I worked on my sermon kind of late yesterday. And so 
I, I, I around like 9.30, I went back into the guest room, and I was like, I was taking a nap. And all of a sudden, Ethan comes in with the phone, and he's like, Dad, look. And I look at the phone, and it's Rodney and Belinda. And they're like, hi. And I was like, oh, what's up, guys? Wow, a rude awakening, right? And I finally woke up, and then I went out, and I was talking to Rodney on, on, on FaceTime. And he was talking about how in his hometown, he had just his father, father just passed away. In his hometown, there's this church. There's this Bible. And when he said that he went into it with a skeptical mind. Now Rodney, he's not a crazy person. We've all met Rodney, right? And we've, we know him. Some of you guys know him personally. Me and Mina, we know him very personally. I know he's not a crazy person. I know he doesn't make up stuff, right? I know he's, like, I know that, you know, he's a sane and rational human being, although, you know, he is a little old and, you know, he has that country accent, right? He's cool, right? But he would talk, he's talking about this Bible in this, in this church. In this, I don't know where he is, but he's, Somewhere near his home, the town that he's living in, and there's this church, and he says that this church is constantly just like pouring out like anointing oil, and it, like they would squeeze the Bible and just like gallons of anointing oil would constantly come out of this Bible. He said that he saw it with his eyes, and, and Belinda actually started rubbing it all over herself, right, and all this this crazy thing. And I was I was hearing that I just woken up by the way, right, and I'm like, ah, oh, like, okay, that's great, right? But then I had a chance to ta- think about it as I was. Like in the shower, and I was like, what are the odds of this happening this morning, of me getting this call, and, and, and him telling me this thing, and me preaching on this subject, right? And I believe that God wants to show us and tell us that God wants to do miracles among us. That, he, that, that, that miracle, although we may have a skeptical mind, if we, put our, if we have faith in our God, remember, mustard seed, that faith, like a move mountains, right? If we have true faith in our gods and we consecrate ourselves and we get our heart into a place where our hearts are in tune with God's heart and we really want what God wants, God will do miracles among us. Now, I'm a fixer, right? I'm a fixer. And so when something happens, I just want to get it fixed. If somebody has a problem, I'm the first. I give advice. You got to do this and, and you got you to gotta do this and you can't. got to stop doing that and then it'll solve the problem, dude, right? That's that was my mentality. When I first started being a pastor, that's like, that was my, my go-to move, right? Like, you got to fix this, fix this. But Mina, she's a better human being than me, right? She really is. Mina's a better human being than me. And when something happens, the first thing that she does is, let's attack it with prayer. Let's cover it with prayer. Before we even start doing anything, let's go to at it with prayer. And she would pray. And many times, something amazing happened problem or the issue or whatever it was actually con- like solved itself. And Mina helped me be better. You know, I used to be like that, you know, but I'm a lot better now. I'm more of like, okay, let's pray about it. Let's, let's, let's have faith. Let's, let's attack it with prayer first. Let's cover with prayer, right? But that's what consecration is. Consecration is, is, isn't not sinning. A lot of times we feel like, well, I've consecrated myself. I've been consecrating myself. I haven't sinned in like a week, guys. You know, that's not consecration. Consecration isn't like not like partaking in the things of the world, right? That, it, it could involve that, but consecration isn't like, oh, I haven't watched TV in a month. You know, I haven't, I haven't like eaten meat in, in this many mo- days. Like, you know, like, I'm consecrating myself. That's not what true consecration is. But consecration is more than that. It's about getting our hearts in tune with God's heart. It's removing all the distractions around us 
so that we can hear and commune with God in His presence. That's consecration. So many times we think that consecrating ourselves is something that we do, and we, we, we do all these things, but our hearts are nowhere close to where, what God wants our hearts to be. And I could fast till I'm skinny as Mina. If, not getting, if I'm not getting my heart and soul in tune with God's heart, I am not consecrating. I'm just dieting. And you know, in the, in the past, I've dieted a lot in the name of fasting. But here's the thing. When we do consecrate ourselves, when we truly go to God in prayer, and we, 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 we remove the distractions around us, and we, and we go to Him in, in His prayer, in, wor- in the Word, in worship, in communing with God, in His presence, when we actually are able to consecrate ourselves, and, and, and we actually do what the point of consecration is, which is to help our hearts draw closer to God's heart, and for our hearts to actually be in tune with God wants for us and, and for the world, and all the, when our hearts get in close with God's heart, I'm telling you, God can do miracles among us. It can change the atmosphere so fear turns into faith. It can change the atmosphere so that singing is, isn't just singing, but it's true praise and worship. Consecration can be the difference between doing something based on our own understanding and our own abilities and doing things under the anointing of God. Even in the workplace, guys. You guys Carol, you're in design. Some of you guys are in teaching. I'm telling you, you guys can do design you guys can do teaching. You know, you guys can do like business. Some of you guys can do like, you know, you work at a, at a hot dogs and whatever. But I guarantee you that when you do your work from a place of consecrating your heart and you're consecrating yourself, the thing that you do will be under the anointing of God. The anointing is not just for church. The anointing is for everything that we do. Even those construction workers out there that are making this building if they are truly consecrating their hearts, they can build this building under the anointing of God. Now, I, I, I've had seasons where I taught at, at, at a, a hagwan for about two years. I actually was a preschool teacher for almost four years. And I remember there were seasons where I would teach and, and I would, there would be seasons of consecrations in my life where I'm not just like fasting, but my heart is like getting close to God and there's this, there's this like tenderness that I have with the Lord and I'm communing with Him. And look, my, what I, what I do at school is under the anointing of God. For two years, I was a pastor, I came to church, and I did Sunday swim. I would lead praise for Sunday swim. Not for two years, but for a good year. I would lead praise for Sunday swim. I would lead Sunday swim. I would lead praise. I would preach. I would do the benediction. I would do membership class and teach membership class. I did all of these things. I would go home that night. Go to sleep, wake up in the morning at six at whatever time, and I would go to school on Monday morning and teach for nine hours, Monday through Friday. Saturday, I would come home and prepare my sermon, and I would do it over and over again. I did that for almost a year and a half, almost two years. And that was one of the most anointed times of teaching in my life. There were times where I was tired, but my kids like loved me so much. And when I left teaching, teachers would call me and be like, yo, what is this thing called monkey game? And why do they want me to play it with them every day, right? There's, there was a season of my life where teaching was actually a joy for me. Near the end, it stopped being like that. <laughs> but I believe that it had to do with my consecration. 
It wasn't consecration. It isn't fasting. It could involve fasting, but the heart of consecration is actually, there's a point to it. It's to get our hearts in tune with God's heart. Being under the anointing of God makes everything so much easier than trying to do it in the way that we want to do. It says, consecrate yourselves. For, ter- for tomorrow, God will do wonders among you. Lastly, this is what God instructs the people. God instructs the people to step out in faith with him. It says, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribe of Israel, from each tribe a man, and when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the water of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the water coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out, set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water that the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city at the city that is beside Zarathan, and those flowing down towards the, the Sea of Arabat, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. You guys have to imagine this, this image of the priests all of the people of Israel are behind them. They're all lined up. They're all ready to cross. And there's 12 men, one representing each of the, the tribe of, of Israel. And there's these Levitical priests. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. This is the, the very presence of God. Right? And as they're crossing into the Jordan, they have to, they, they have to like actually literally start to put their feet into the water. They need the faith. They have to have the faith to actually to put their foot into the water, and as soon as their foot, their feet would touch, they dip into the Jordan River, the, the, the Jordan River would start to part, and one side would, would, would wall up, and the other would dry, dry out, and they were able to cross over to the other side. God wants to do miracles, but He wants to do miracles with them. As they step into the Jordan, God opens the water. It wasn't like they're all lined up and then God's like, okay, I'm going to part it. He parts it and they cross. No, he's like, no, you have to hold my presence and you have to start to dip your foot into the sea. And as soon as your foot touches the water, I'm going to part the ocean. He knows he can do wonders. He knows that he can do miracles. But he wants us to know that when we are in tune with him, when our hearts are right with him, he can do miracles among us. Some of you guys are thinking like, oh, there's miracles, like, you know, there's these miracles of like turning water into wine or like limbs growing out. Yeah, there's miracles like that. But you know what? A miracle, there could, like to a person, something very small and insignificant can happen, but that could be a miracle to a person. There's miracles that happens every day. There could be someone that would, that have this, they have this obstacle, they have this barrier. They think, dude, this is, 
I'm never going to be able to get past this. I've tried for 10 years and I've never been able to, to get past this issue. I've never been able to, to break out of this whatever thing that I'm going through. You guys, some of you guys know, you guys have some of those things in your life. I have many of those things in my life, right? There's things that I feel like, oh, like me going back to America is a, is a, if, to me in my mind, Mina has faith. To me, I don't have the faith. I'm like, oh man, I don't know, right? But, but God's teaching me these days that, you know, I want to do a miracle in your life. And that miracle may not be a limb growing out or may not be a, a Bible that flows oil like 24 hours a day. But if it's a miracle in your heart, it's a miracle of the same. And God can do wonders and miracles, but He wants, He doesn't want to just, just, just like a, like a fairy princess, like a, a fairy godmother with a wand, like zing, miracle. No, He doesn't want to do that. He wants us to go out and step out in faith with Him. This is required for us to see our lives filled with wonders, with God's wonders in our lives. Ethan's at an age where he can actually enjoy Legos, right? Like, his grandma, his grandma would send him this Lego set, and it's like this, you know, these two cars and all these things. And he looks at the box, and he's like, oh, it's awesome. It has Hulk, and it has a red Hulk, and all these things. And he looks at the box, and he's like, oh, this is amazing, right? But he knows that he can't make it by himself. He knows that if he tried to do it by himself, it's not going to look and end up like the picture that's on the box, right? It's going to look completely different. It'll probably all fall apart, you know? And he knows that he doesn't want me to just do it by myself because that's no fun for him, right? He doesn't want me to just make it and give it to him like, here you go. That's not the point of Legos. But he knows that something amazing happens when we get rid of the distraction. The distraction is Ezra, right? Ezra right now is two, and he's like the enemy, right? Like, he'll be like, we'll be doing Legos, and he goes, Apa, you go boya? You go boya, we go boya. And he'll like grab the bag and like, ah, and all the pieces would just fly everywhere, right? And Ethan's all crying. He's like, ah. Right, so we have to make sure that the distraction is gone, right? Right? Ezra needs to be at school or, or somewhere, right? With his mom, watching TV or something. The distraction needs to be gone, and we need to be focused together, him and me, hand in hand. We open up the instructions. And then he, I tell him, find this piece. He finds it, and I line it up, and I say, push down here, and he pushes it down. Right? And together, we're able to create this thing that he'll look at it, and he says, this is amazing. He can't do it by himself, but he also doesn't want me to just do it for him. That's God's heart. He wants to work with us, but we have to step out in faith. We have to take the step and put our feet into the Jordan so it requires our initiative. It requires us stepping out. But we, but we know that we are not alone in this. We don't have to do it based on our own understanding. But we do it from a place of consecration. Right? we got to remove the distraction. we got to get rid of Ezra. Right? we got to be in, in, in a place where, where it's just us and God. And we start to really hear what God has to say to us. You know, God is constantly speaking to us. We just can't listen because we're always, all these things, like, ah, like, let's go to Shinjage or, you know, let's do this or, you know, let's buy a scooter or let's buy a motorcycle. I admit, dude, I've, that, I've been really, I've been really distracted by those things recently, right? I'm consecrated. I'm starting a season of consecration. But we have to know that as we remove the distraction and we get in tune with God's heart, God 
like it's not like he's like, oh, I don't want to do this for you. That's never going to be like, ah, I don't want to do that for you. He's not, he's not like that. He wants to do things for us. But the, the thing is, he doesn't want to just do it. It requires faith. The one thing that God wants to see on this earth is faith. But when we do have it, it opens up our lives so that God can work and, and God can do his thing in our midst. Now, people of Israel have been wandering for 40 years. You know, that's a long time. For 40 years, they've been paying the price of the generation before them that failed to see the promised land because they didn't have faith. They forfeited their destiny. For 40 years, they had been holding, God had been holding their hands, teaching them to depend on Him for everything, to continually follow His presence every way, everywhere they went, and the time had finally come. It took 40 years for the Israelites to be ready to enter the promised land. For 40 years, the promised land seemed like something that they would never get to, right? I'm like, are we there yet, Ethan? Whenever we get in the car, and he'll ask me, like, hey, how long is this going to take? And we were like, you know what? You should just take a nap because it's going to take a while. And we could just see the look of frustration on his face, right? But that's the way that we feel. Some of you guys, we might be frustrated. Some of you guys might have some obstacles in your life and you feel like they will never go away. You think certain things will never happen in your life. You think that you will always have to live with certain issues and certain problems or certain obstacles continually, certain troubles in your life because it seems too hard for you to get past. If you feel like the Israelites on year 39 of the wandering in the wilderness. You guys feel like that? You guys feel like 39, this is the 39th year of us wandering and you don't know when it's going to end. God didn't tell them, like, all right, right, this next year, one more year. No, they're like, oh, this is, why, when, are we there yet? We feel frustrated. But let me tell you, God goes before you because he loves you and he is with you. And he wants to inject his miraculous, his wondrous plans into the things in your life because he didn't save you to just exist. He saved you for you to step out in faith and for you to do great things. God wants you to do great things. Whatever things that you're in, whatever, like, whatever you go into, you know, you can be in business, you can be in teaching, you can be in design, you can be a stay-at-home mom. You know, Mina's, uh, you know, she works, but she's also, like, you know, she's a mom, and you know, Mina does mothering or parenting under the anointing of God. Because you know how I know? When Mina says something, they listen. Not me sometimes. But I'd be like, today when they're taking a bath, and I'd be like, what, 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 and Amina's like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. And Amina will say some certain things, and they're just, they listen. They're like, okay, I get it. But God wants us to do things under his anointing. He wants to do miraculous things. He wants us to do great things. For you to join him on his plan of establishing his kingdom on this earth. God didn't have the Israelites wander the wilderness just for the sake of wandering the wilderness. Eventually, he planned for them to enter the promised land. Let us be people that do not forfeit the plans and wonders that God has for us in our life. Let's be people that make it out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And some of you are saying, you know, I don't even know what my promised land is. A lot of you guys feel that way. 
I don't know what my problem is going to be. I don't know what, I don't know what this is, what, what my destiny. I don't know what I'm supposed to be called to. And I say to that, you're not supposed to. The Israelites weren't supposed to keep their eyes on the promised land. They were supposed to keep their eyes focused on who? On the presence of God. They weren't supposed to be looking at the promised land as they crossed the Jordan. They were supposed to keep their eyes focused on the presence of God. And they crossed the Jordan in the exact same fashion that they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. For 40 years they've been wandering. God has been giving them everything and they had their eyes set on the presence of God. God gave them everything. They had their eyes set on the presence of God. And as they cross over the Jordan, you don't look at the promised land, but what do they do? God's going to do everything for us in faith, and we're going to keep our eyes focused on the presence of God. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Brothers and sisters, let's live consecrated lives. And it's funny because a few weeks ago, Mina came up to me and she's like, oh, I feel like God's calling me to a season of consecration. I was like, that's great. <laughs> and then for about three weeks now, she's been, you know, she's been consecrating herself, you know. And it, it's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about praying. It's not just about abstaining. She's doing all those things, but it's about her heart, our hearts getting closer to the presence of God, right? And, and it's funny because I'm slower than Mina, right? And I have a thicker head, right? I have a lot of fat for the anoint, like spirit of God to kind of get past and all that, right? Because this past week, as I was reading this passage and I was focusing on preaching this sermon, God was continually telling me, you need to consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself and I will do wonders among you. Because I feel like Buzan, as a church, we are at the edge of the Jordan River right now. We've been through the wilderness. We're pretty small here. We've been through seasons where we had our you know, a pastor, you know, resigned. Our lead pastor resigned. We did this season of, of, you know, all of the shaking and the things that happened in our church, all of the town hall meetings and all of the, the things that, you know. And we've been through this season of so many of our brothers and sisters' time in Korea coming to an end, and they're they're moving on and they're going back to America, and you know our numbers are small, and, and but I I feel like throughout all of this we are at the edge of the Jordan River. And I feel like we've been wondering that God has wonders in store for us. I don't want to wander. I want wonder. (laughs) Church, let's get our hearts and minds in tune with God's heart. Let's hear from Him about what He wants for us. Let's let's, let's get in tune with God's heart so that we can hear what He wants to do, how He wants us to go forth how He wants us to move. I, I, I believe and I know that when we do consecrate ourselves and when we do know that God goes before us and when we do step out in faith from a place of our hearts knowing what God wants and what God wants for us is what we want, when we're in that place, as we start to step out in faith, God will do miracles in our midst. God will do wonders in our midst. Church, let's be a church that knows and understands the heart of God as we move forward. Let's all stand up. Let's close the service with benediction.